That's a great day. I, I, love, I love baptisms. I love these days. I love the way you just people get soaked and end up looking drowned and things like that. Do you know, I also love Christianity, but there's a, um, there's a Bible teacher called John Stott who once said that that's actually a real problem with modern Christianity. And it's not that Jesus is not still amazing and able to transform lives in an instant. Nor is it that God's been disproven in any way. That just hasn't happened philosophically, by science or anything. There's been no disproof there. And it's not that the gospel good news of Jesus has become any less good to people today in the modern world we live in. It's simply that throughout the years, Jesus' face and teaching has become so dirtied by what people have both taught about him and accused him of it's hard to know what is true or false about him anymore when you're looking into Christianity. It's like so much mud has been flung at Jesus that you can no longer really tell what he looks like. Is he a faker who gave no real evidence to back up who he was, like some say? Is he just a nice guy who loved the poor and stood up for justice, like some say? Is he just an absolute killjoy who came just to make rules about what we can and can't do, like some accuse him of? Is he just an angry God whom we are never going to be able to please, who just wants to make us feel guilty and ashamed of ourselves, never pleasing him, like some teach? What Jesus really looks like And what he really teaches, why he really came to earth, has been buried under centuries of dirt. And John Stott, this Bible teacher, says that because of this, the the greatest need the world has is for those who know Jesus simply to wash the face of Jesus, to wipe away the centuries of muck and dirt so that people can see how wonderful he was and the amazing teaching he brought. But how do we do this for guys who don't know Jesus, who don't know what he looks like because of the mud? Well, you know, actually, thanks to Jesus, this is simpler than you might think. You see, right the way through his life, Jesus did simple yet significant acts, and he gave his followers some simple but significant acts to follow that help us never lose sight. I sound like a modem now of who he is and what he has done for people. You know, one such act that Jesus did is written about in the Bible by a man called John, who was there when he did it. And John recalls how during an evening meal, when Jesus and 12 men who were following him were having dinner, did something really strange. Partway through the meal, Jesus got up from the table where they were eating took off his outer robe, his dinner finery, if you like, and wrapped a towel around his waist, just like a servant, not a leader, would do. Then he got a basin of water, and one by one, on his knees, he washed the dirt from each of the men's feet and dried them with a towel that he was wrapped in. Twelve pairs of men's feet, which would have been sweaty, and filthy from walking around dusty roads all day in sandals in a hot Middle Eastern sun. 
without a second thought. Do you know, as he did this, it was, this was so offensive to one of his followers, a guy called Peter, that one so great would wash his feet. He said, Jesus, no, never wash my feet. You're never going to wash my feet. They're too stinky. They're too rank. And John remembered how in this moment Jesus turned to him and he said, Peter, you have to understand this. This is what I came to do, to serve people. By taking the muck and dirt they had accumulated as they went about their lives and washing them clean from it. If you don't let me clean you, if you don't take the washing that I bring, you can never really be clean and live the life that I intended for you. This is just one of the simple acts that Jesus did to show us clearly what he was about that just stands through centuries that we can go back to and see who he actually was. That he was a humble, loving servant leader who came to wash the dirt out of people's lives. And that he would do this by leaving his place of privilege at the head of the table, becoming a slave, and washing his followers with his own hands. You know, another thing that he taught his followers to do that cuts through all the mud that has been thrown at him throughout the years and teaches us that he is the one who wants to wash the dirt from our lives is what we're doing today in baptisms. You see, baptism is the simplest act in Christianity. It basically involves a new believer stepping into the nearest pool of water, speaking out their faith in Jesus, becoming totally submerged in that water before coming out drenched from head to toe. But despite its simplicity, it is something Jesus commanded his followers to do obediently and faithfully with everyone who comes to believe in him from whatever nation or background they came from. And the reason he did this is that although it is the simplest of acts, it contains in it a clear and unforgettable picture of how Jesus washes the muck from people's lives. It cuts right the way through the mud on his face and shows us how the gospel sets us free for everyone who trusts in him. I just want to show you this. In a minute, you're going to see the three guys go through four basic steps. Step one, they're going to step into some chilly water, although I'm told that this water's you know, a bit nice and warm uh, compared to which I, th I think people have gone soft from you. I was all for chucking in a load of ice cubes in there before today. Uh, I once got to baptize my, uh, my good buddy Stu in, a, uh, in Bolton Abbey River in February when it was snowing around us. That was, that was chilly. So imagine that with this point. Freezing. You know, though, uh, coming into contact with the true uncompromising message of Jesus is always like stepping into cold water. It jars. Because it starts by saying that you and me are not okay. Jesus' message starts with a really hard truth, that your insides are muckier than you could ever imagine, and that you're actually in a deep, mucky pit that you can't get out of by yourself. And the Bible puts it like this. All humanity has a sin problem and a relationship problem. And the sin problem simply means this, that in our hearts, our inner being is a bit corrupted and damaged, that all of us have stopped trusting God and have chosen to behave in a way that is offensive to him and harmful to ourselves and others. It's dirtied us and other people. That's what a sin problem is. 
The relationship problem is this, that because of our sin, our relationship with God is broken. It's like we're at war with God. We see him as the enemy of our freedom, of a good life, as we've rejected him. So we no longer really want him and what he wants for our lives. We're like children who've turned their backs on a parent, you know, just rejected their parents and their teaching and gone, no, no, dad, I'm going to go my own way. That's what it says our relationship with God is like, broken. We have a sin problem and a relationship problem. And the hard, this is a hard message that Jesus brings because of, it says you need help. And, you know, this can jar for a couple of reasons if we really hear it. One, maybe we've never considered we have a problem before. We've never thought that our hearts, our ambition, our ways of doing things was wrong before. We've only mixed with people who did it the same way. We've never considered what we feel is right might be, might be wrong to God. To a God who loves us. And that's hard to hear, isn't it? You, you might be wrong. Or perhaps in our heart of hearts, we know we're mucky and we need help. We know that our thoughts, our behavior has been damaging and has been wrong to ourselves and others. So Christianity's message jars because it's already telling you what you, you already know, this first part of it. It just brings us to the surface and it makes us feel guilty, so we want to run away from it. We know we fall short of our own standards, let alone God. I don't need to hear that message. I don't need to hear I'm mucky. I know it. The message that Jesus brings, that we are muckier than we could ever imagine, hits us like a sharp change in temperature if we hear it right. And some people go no further in the message of Jesus than this. Just through sheer offense. But the good work of Jesus always starts with a step into this cold water. A realization that we're not okay. This realization is hard, yes. But it's the key that opens up the door to the rest, to the gospel. The step into the chilly water in baptism never lets us forget or water down Jesus' message and how it starts. It's the first step you're going to see him through. You're going to see him step into some chilly water, hopefully not looking like that. Step two, you're going to see him speak out trust in Jesus. As they get used to the water, each person will make a public declaration of belief in Jesus and what he has done for them. Reminding us that for people to become a Christian, they have to have moved from that place of this message, bracing them with cold, to a place where they're saying they believe in Jesus' message and work, that they trust in him and that his teaching is true. This moment reminds us that to truly be a Christian you have to have made a clear decision to trust in Jesus. It's not enough to sit on the fence or try living a good life and hoping you get in on merit. It's about faith in Jesus. What does it mean, though, to trust Jesus? Well, although Christianity's starting point is that you're muckier than you ever knew, it also says that despite this, you are more loved than you could possibly imagine. And that because of this love, rather than leaving us hopeless or giving us what we deserve for all the sin in our hearts, God threw down into the mucky pit a rope and made a way for you to be pulled off, up. Made a way for your inside to be totally washed clean and the relationship with God to be fully fixed. 
And the rope was Jesus, the servant who left his high place, who came to wash the muck out of people's lives. You know that everything that Jesus did was about cleaning up the sin sin and relationship problem on our behalf. Everything that he did. The Bible tells us that his whole life was a picture of what a clean life without the sin and relationship problem looked like. That as we look at him, we can see what we're missing with God, where he walked knowing God's voice and seeing God powerfully move and guide him without any shame of guilt or sin in his life. And he brought the power of God which set people free as he walked. What's more, the Bible tells us that his death on a cross was not a random act, but actually a chosen point in human history where he died in our place on our behalf. And that in this death, he took upon himself any punishment, any consequences, and all the guilt and shame which came as the result of the sin and broken relationship problem in humanity. And the Bible tells us that after he died, he was resurrected to life again as a sign that he had defeated and beaten and overcome all of the root causes of the sin and relationship problem, that he was king over them all. It was done. Jesus was God's son, the one who took off heaven's robes, came as a servant, who came to wash the muck in people's lives, deal with all of the causes and consequences of their muck, and fix their relationship with God. And coming to faith simply means that we see and understand what is on offer with Jesus. That we recognize without tying heaven's rope around our waist and allowing God pull us out of the pit through Jesus, we remain trapped in our sin and broken relationship and the muck in our lives. Faith is simply saying yes to God. I recognize that I need help. I recognize that I'm not in the place you created me to be, and I recognize that it is only through your great rescue of Jesus that my situation can change, and no, nothing and no one else can help. Do you know, baptism reminds us that to become a Christian is to trust that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection made a way for us to be saved from sin and restored from our broken relationship with God. And without a step of faith and choice and a request for him to help, you aren't and can't be a Christian. Step three, the next thing you're going to see them do is take a huge bath in their clothes. It's probably the weirdest, but probably the most important part of the baptism. You're going to see them get deliberately, totally dunked under the water. And it may look a little bit like the two people doing it are trying to drown them. And in a way, they are. Yeah, I'll explain that, don't worry. You see, what this act never lets us forget is the act of trusting in Jesus His work to help us and wash us clean is never a powerless one, but always a remarkable one. Going completely under the water reminds us that every time someone trusts in Jesus to rescue them, they fully and totally receive all the benefits of the death that Jesus Christ died for us on the cross. It's like they go down into the grave with him. In fact, the Bible says that when we trust Jesus to help, it is like he scoops out all the sin in our hearts, and all of the wrong nature, like a giant digger digging foundations for a building, and he places all of that nature that trapped us inside Jesus. So all of it, and the consequences of guilt and shame, death and judgment that go with it, is hidden within Jesus as he dies on the cross and dies with him. 
So it's quite simply as if all our old mucky nature totally dies with him and we are totally, completely, from head to toe, cleansed from the inside out. In other words, it's like God gives us a huge inside out bath. That's why we bathe people in their clothes. It never lets us forget that this is the powerful work that Jesus wants to do in everyone's lives. The final stage, which I'm sure you'll be glad about if you've got loved ones here, is that we don't actually leave them under the water. We, we pull them up again. Coughing and spluttering like drowned but victorious rats. Mascara running down face. I hope yours is waterproof to bias. Just... <laughs> Jesus rose from the dead. He was resurrected in the power of God into a new eternal life and place of relationship with God. After paying the price of death for everyone, he showed that he was Lord and overcame. In the final incredible part of the Christian message is this. That when we trust in the work of Jesus to help us, it's not only that our old lives die with him and we are washed clean, but it's like we become stowaways in the ship of his resurrection as well. Where he went, we get to go by being hidden in him. Our lives are forever hidden now in Christ, in God. And all the privileges and victories and relationship that he has with God, we get to share in. A completely new life out of the pit, washed from all our wrongdoings in a place of favor with God rather than brokenness. Not because we deserved it, because God so loved the world that he sent his only son to die in our place, that we might through trust come to know the power of his death and res resurrection and be pulled from the pit as a free gift because he loved us. That's what we mean. You're going to hear Christians go on about the grace of God. Never shut up about it. This is it. This is it. He gave us not what we deserved, but he poured upon us just through love, blessing upon blessing upon blessing. Not because we're a great people. Listen, I've been a grumpy dad all weekend. I've been looking after my kids. You know, I joke about this, but it's just the truth. Most of my weekend, I've not been stood up preaching the gospel to people. Most of it's been like, Elijah, Aaron, stop that, stop that, stop that. Ah! It's not because I'm great. It's just because he is great and loves me. You know, when we wash the face of Jesus from all the mud, cutting through all the years of mud that has been thrown, and look at the simple things that he did and that he taught us to do, like baptism and washing his feet, washing feet, we, what we find is that he is simply the one who wants to wash all the muck out of your life and restore you to relationship with God. He wants to do this not by bringing you rules or by being angry with you, by simply asking you to trust that his life, death, and resurrection is the way you'll be truly washed clean and restored to the life he intended for you. Jesus is just the mud washer, the one who washed the muck from our lives, from Alicia and Tobias's life, from Angela's life, and wants to wash the muck from yours. Just to finish, there was once a guy called David who was a mighty warrior king. Rich guy, had everything in the world, but he was also a poet as well. A manly poet. A successful guy who on the surface you would have thought had everything the world could offer. But in one of his poems, he wrote about how God had transformed him 
and he said this. I came to God and I waited patiently for him. And he paid attention and he heard my cries. He lifted me out of the pit I was in, pulled me up from deep mud. He stood me on solid rock and he made sure I wouldn't slip. He taught me how to sing a new God song. A joyful praise song to him I hadn't sung before. Many people will see what God does and change their view and will come to trust in God also. Now the reason people are being baptized is, the reason I stand here before you (laughs) is that the same God who did this to this man thousands of years ago is doing it in people's lives today. Washing us clean by his action and he never wants us to forget it. Thanks for your time.